0: Hello, American Prestige listeners. It's Derek, and I am joined for this interview by Lakin Jordahl. Very grateful that Lakin was able to come on the show. He is the Southwest Conservation Advocate for the Center for Biological Diversity. Lakin, thanks for joining us. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me on the pod, Derek. So we're going to talk about the uh, Biden administration's compassionate decision to build a bunch of new border wall uh, basically adopt the Trump border and a border wall and, and keep going with it uh, across the uh, Rio Grande and what that's going to mean for the environment, for species, for communities, indigenous communities, and local residents. So I want to get into all of that. Why don't we start with basically just kind of situating people, orient people toward where, what are we talking about? What's the area we're talking about? And your own experience, uh, you know, kind of being in this place and and experiencing it uh sands border wall, which I think gives you perspective on what it's going to look like when uh, this construction is done.
1: Yeah. Great question to start with. Um, I think so importantly, we have to acknowledge that the border is a real place. You know, It's talked about all the time in some sort of uh, abstract way that does not connect it to the real communities, the real people, uh, real wildlife that live there. Um, So this uh, specific section of border that we're talking about in Starr County um, It's one of the most beautiful stretches of the Rio Grande I have ever been to. Um, I was lucky enough to put a canoe in the river here and paddle down uh, about 12 miles of river here. You know, just absolutely stunned by the bird life, the wildlife, had these towering cypress trees draped in the Spanish moss uh, on the riverbanks. Families were picnicking, laughing, fishing. Um, I mean, this is a beautiful, beautiful place that is worthy of protection. Um, and this is the same location that now the Biden administration is plowing forward with plans to build a border wall,
0: Uh, potentially as soon as the the next two months they can start. So let's talk a little bit about the rationale. We can get into the, um, I think, empty rhetoric of pretending like uh, the Biden administration's hands are tied, uh, especially when we talk about the way that they're doing this, which we'll get into in a uh, a bit. But let's talk at the top here about what is this administration's rationale for continuing a policy that you presumably disagreed with when Donald Trump did it? Um, And how much of it do you think is driven by uh, the politics of migration and and the, uh, you know, desire to sort of placate border state governors and border state uh, conservatives, essentially, who are constantly harping about, uh, you know, Hordes of people coming across the border, which uh, you know is uh, is always a wonderful conversation to have. Yeah, always enlightening. You know, it's it's
1: it's a mystifying decision to me. I don't, I, you know, Biden, Biden could wall off the entire border. He could build two, three layers of wall, and uh, he wouldn't get any credit from the GOP. Um, you know, there is no amount um, of hardening the border. There's no amount of cruelty that I think this president could even impose that would uh, satisfy uh, the, the GOP that's currently coming after him around this issue. Um, so I think it's, it's, it's a mystifying decision. Um, you know, building these 20 miles of wall is certainly not going to placate, uh, his opponents. Uh, I think it will alienate a lot of his base. Um, it certainly will alienate communities in the Rio Grande Valley in Texas, um, who listened, uh, when he made certain commitments, uh, to fight against wall construction, to stick up for the rights of border communities. Um, So it's a a really concerning departure um, from what appeared, at least in the beginning of his presidency, to be a pretty solid commitment to stop border wall construction and to push back uh, against new miles of physical barrier being built.
0: You've written, I know, about the state-level experience and uh, Doug Ducey's grand uh, shipping container wall, uh, Greg Abbott, the governor of Texas, putting uh, essentially... I, I think I guess like barbed wire in the Rio Grande River to like drown people as they're trying to cross. I mean, what are what is the experience of of those barriers been, and how do you think that informs or should inform the discussion of of adding new barrier at mm. this point at, at the federal level?
1: Yeah, you know, I think uh, both Abbott's inane push to build razor wire traps in the Rio Grande to ensnare migrants uh, and build those outrageous floating buoys with uh, pieces of metal in the middle that look like circular saws to stop people from climbing over. Um, That along with Governor Ducey, our former governor in Arizona's attempt to build uh, miles of shipping containers uh, along our border wall, I think they illustrate perfectly what the situation is about. um, And that is political theater. Um I mean none of these are serious solutions. Uh, none of these governor's hysterical actions have actually contributed to securing the border. Um, and I think that really is like the sphere uh, that these conversations takes place in uh, it's It's not about the realities on the ground. Uh, it's not even truly about keeping these people out. Um, it's about drumming up this heartbeat um, of 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 fear um, of of Anti-immigrant fervor that we've seen can be really effective at mobilizing uh, a certain base and winning some elections. Um, so I think you know we we have seen Abbott do a ton of damage uh, to ecosystems and also uh, some horrific damage to to individual migrants who have uh, been trapped and oftentimes uh, uh, maimed by this razor wire by the by the barriers that they've installed. Um, and I think you know it's just. That There's no excuse for the Biden administration uh, to be playing any role uh, in further militarizing these borders and further making crossings more and more dangerous um, and not posing any sort of meaningful policy solutions.
0: I want to talk about the Trump wall because I think the kinds of of harm that it did uh, in terms of species, in terms of environmental destruction, in terms of, you know, Uh, cutting through communities and affecting indigenous uh communities as well as kind of just local residents that 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 can inform what we think is going to happen with this additional biden wall so why don't you and take us through uh you know in as much detail as you as you think is necessary Kind of take us through the construction of of the trump border wall and and the kinds of harms that that we saw from that
1: yeah so we have uh a whole lot of wall to look at, to study, if we want to understand the impacts that these barriers have on wildlife and on ecosystems. Um, I used to work for the National Park Service uh, at a beautiful wilderness area on the border in Arizona called Organ Pipe Cactus National Monument, uh, which in many ways was the epicenter uh, of the fight against border wall construction, uh, at least in Arizona. Um, It's a designated wilderness. It's a UNESCO biosphere reserve. It's habitat for numerous endangered species. Um, and it's an area that we saw Trump blast this wall through, destroying indigenous sacred sites, bulldozing hundred-year-old saguaro cactuses. Um, we saw so much damage occur at this wilderness area, um, and this is a place where I, you know I used to work for the Park Service. So my job was to try and protect that area from threats. Um, and and you know, big reason why I left the Park Service and joined the Center for Biological Diversity, where I work now. Uh, was because it was so clear that uh, I needed to be able to be more outspoken uh, against this imminent harm to wildlife, this imminent harm to cultural resources that was uh, the border wall. Um, I think you know one of the most important things to understand about border wall construction uh, is that the, the, the government has exempted itself from every single environmental law, every single cultural resource protection law, in order to build these structures. Uh, laws like the Clean Water Act, the Clean Air Act, the Native American Graves Protection and Repatriation Act. These laws have been stripped away uh, with the strike of a pen, and they no longer apply anywhere where the government is choosing to issue these waivers to rush border wall construction. Um, so without these waivers, uh, the government would have to follow these laws, consult with expert scientists, consult with uh, tribal Uh, indigenous interests and experts to make sure they weren't destroying burial grounds and sacred sites. Um, It would vastly change the way that these walls were able to be built. Um, It would certainly slow down construction um, and ensure that a lot of these protected habitats and communities weren't impacted. And, you know, just last month, we saw the Biden administration issue a waiver of 26 laws in order to build these walls in Texas, which was shocking because there has never been a Democratic president uh, issue one of these waivers. We've never seen a Democrat actively strip away protections from vulnerable border communities to build border barriers. So that was a significant stab in the back. Um, And I'm a cynical person, but it surprised me. I, I did not think they would stoop to that level.
0: What kind of pushback, and this is, you know, you'll have to forgive my ignorance, but what kind of pushback was there from indigenous communities, from local residents, from environmental groups, to the trump wall what did what did we see happening in, in you know during his four year term uh, that again might inform how people are going to respond uh, mm-hmm. in this case yeah there was i mean there was a massive mobilization, especially here in Arizona.
1: A number of uh, indigenous led protest actions popped up. we had you know marches in all four different border states. We turned out thousands of people at different demonstrations. Uh, many of them were place-based, so trying to save a specific area like the San Pedro River or Oregon Pipe Cactus National Monument in Arizona um, or the Santa Ana Wildlife Refuge in Texas. Um, but there was a huge, beautiful, robust uh, coalition of groups that were fighting this project, um, not just environmentalists, but um, people who care about civil liberties, <laughs> people who care about migrant justice. Um, a huge coalition of groups uh, coalesced uh, to, to, to keep the drum beat up. And I think we'll see more of the same of that, uh, in Texas here. Um, I think people are just as willing to fight these walls, uh, just, just because it's a Democrat building them here. You know, the impact of the structure is the same. Uh, it's still a horrific insult to border communities. It's still an existential threat to a number of endangered species. Um, so I think, you know, we'll expect to see the same kind of groups, uh, showing up, uh, protesting, documenting the damage, pushing back. And making sure that the administration knows if if they want to build more border walls, it will come at a significant cost uh, to to their support, essentially.
0: I want to get in a little bit more detail to these environmental waivers, because one of the issues here is not just that Biden is extending the border wall or this administration is extending the Trump border wall. It's the manner in which it's doing it. And we can Talk about uh, again the question of whether it's hands are tied. This is that's sort of going to be my follow up, just a preview. But talk about what these waivers mean in terms of or what they tell you in terms of how the the construction is going to be carried out, or what they kind of uh, forecast.
1: Yeah. Well, for starters, um, there is no equivalent uh, in this country to this kind of a legal waiver. Um, there is no larger waiver of law in American history, uh, as, as this one, uh, that's allowed by the Real ID Act in order to rush border wall construction. Um, the government can't waive laws to build an Air Force base or a highway, uh, or to approve any other federal decision. Um, this only exists for border barrier construction. Um, so, you know, this is, this is such a really unique threat to our entire democratic system. Um, Because these waivers exist, there is essentially zero public transparency. Um, Normally, the government would have to follow the National Environmental Policy Act, which means they hold public hearings, means they publish uh, planning documents, they allow the public to weigh in and comment on those documents, and they have to respond. Um, So because NEPA has been waived, uh, there is no public transparency in this process. Um, Because the Endangered Species Act is waived... Uh, The government can now move forward with these walls, uh, crushing habitat for endangered species in a way that would normally be completely illegal. Uh, In Arizona, we saw during the Trump administration, uh, the Department of Homeland Security drilling wells to suck up groundwater in these extremely sensitive aquifers. Uh, We don't have a lot of water in Arizona, and we have a number of endangered species that depend on spring flow and groundwater levels. Uh, But we watched in horror as these government contractors actually started pumping water out of our aquifers to mix concrete for the border wall. And in doing so they diminished spring flow, uh, to a tiny oasis that's home to two endangered species. So actions like that would normally be illegal. Uh, normally organizations like the center for biological diversity, where I work would file suit. We would sue the government. We would make them stop these disastrous projects that pose imminent harm to wildlife. Um, but because these waivers have been issued, we have no recourse. Um, and also indigenous nations like the Tohono O'odham in Arizona had no recourse as their burial sites were literally being dynamited before their eyes.
0: So when the Biden administration says, there's nothing we can do, this money's there, Congress has uh, appropriated it for constructing a border barrier, and we're just poor, humble, helpless civil servants. Uh, what what power could we possibly have? It, they don't need to do it this way, right? I mean, what's your reaction to that when you hear that justification?
1: Oh, man. I think, you know, if their hands are tied, it's because they're engaging in consensual bondage. Um, There is no reason here why they have to be moving forward with this project. Um, Yes, Congress did approve uh, a certain amount of money that was supposed to go to uh, border barrier projects in Star County. Um, but the administration could get creative with that. <laughs> there are plenty of ways to use this money while also fo- following the environmental laws that they've waived. Um, you know, they could start the NEPA process here. They could start hosting public hearings. They could start consulting with uh, experts. All of that takes time and it also costs money. So if they wanted to burn some money, why don't they do the requisite studies to ensure that endangered wildlife won't be wiped off the face of the map uh, because Biden wants to build these walls. Um, the other thing I'll say is, you know, no judge is forcing him to do this. Uh, if he really feels like he has to do this, why not wait till, till a judge issues an order saying that he does? You know, we've seen this administration uh, fight other policies that, that they don't want to uh, enact. You know, we've seen them go to court to defend student loan forgiveness um.
0: Why not go to court for this too? Show border communities that you give a damn, that you're going to fight for them, like you said you would. Does it? And I, again, I, I'm asking this from a place of ignorance. Does it even have to be a physical border? Like, could you or barrier? Could you say, "Oh, well, we're going to like buy a couple of drones or something"? I mean, just something that is is you know is also unpalatable on some level because it uh, it weaponizes migration and and you know <laughs> feeds xenophobia. But at least it's not a physical barrier impacting. Uh, environments, impacting species, impacting communities in the way that, if, that that those things seem to do?
1: Yeah. So, you know, the actual funding bill, the appropriations language says that it should be used uh, to build barriers that um, are one of the priorly constructed designs. Um, so there are some guardrails there. Um, again, I think there's many other ways the administration can get creative to burn some of this money in ways that would actually be productive. Uh, for wildlife and for border communities. Um, but, you know, if you, if you agree with the administration's interpretation that they have to follow the letter of the law, um, you know, I think there is some justification for saying they, they have to build previously built designs. Um, they have a lot of designs they could choose from. And the design they've actually picked is one of the worst I've ever seen for wildlife. It has a solid concrete base that extends about five feet high, which means that tiny animals, uh, like the Texas horn lizard, Texas indigo snakes, jackrabbits, um, armadillos that could normally pass through the little gaps between the border wall slats will now be trapped by this wall. Um, and that means if there's if there's flooding, if there's a fire, they will be trapped against this wall and they will perish. And it also cuts them off from accessing their source of drinking water, which is the Rio Grande just to the south. So the administration has just done a horrible job with this one through and through. Uh, we're still With them, we're doing everything we can to try and make them reverse course, uh, maybe provide some uh, openings for wildlife at the very least. Um, But, you know, so far, they've been completely unwilling to uh, even listen to us.
0: Let's go a little bit deeper into that. This is going to be one of my questions because I had read something about the type of barrier that they were talking about constructing, which I gather is more movable than what trump built and so there's like this rationale that you can if you have if you wanted for some reason to like channel people and again this is so offensive it's treating these it's treating human beings like uh, you know a herd of cattle if you want to move them in a particular way you can kind of r- reconfigure the the barrier to do that but it is environmentally much worse and so can you talk about the differences between what trump built on on the environmental front and what what you, you just described in terms of what the Biden administration is proposing. Yeah.
1: I mean, look, all designs that exist for border walls are horrible for the environment. Um, designs, every, every design that we've used so far, um, will block any species of wildlife larger than a jackrabbit basically. Um, which impacts genetic interchange. Um, it cuts apart uh habitats, it makes extinction of all sorts of species much more likely. Um and it stops animals from finding water, food, mates. Um so walls are always disastrous, no matter what the design is. Uh there's nothing natural about an impermeable landscape scale barrier. Uh there's 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 no evolution (laughs) that animals have learned to deal with such a structure. Um that said, you know, some of the walls Trump built um were better than these current designs that we're seeing for the Biden wall. some of the walls Trump built were just as bad you know he also built some uh levee walls is what they're called in South Texas which are a solid concrete base that have bollards higher up um yeah i i i it's hard to to describe the impacts without seeing exactly uh where these these new walls will go um but there's there's no environmentally friendly alternative to a wall
0: yeah I think I mean the solid concrete versus these like slat metal things that at least Smaller animals can get through, right? That you you sort of have, but but this is just like nothing's getting through. uh Right, like these things. Yeah. Right. Right. Let's go into some detail now, and I want to take each uh, of these in turn, but some detail about th- what it it's going to mean for this particular area, which you're familiar with, where the walls set to be built, and let's start with the environmental with species. Uh, with you know f- uh, flora that that, that are going to be affected by this, what kind of specific impacts give people a sense of the the specific impacts that are are going to arise from constructing this segment of border and let's start with sort of just in the short term what's it going to mean for uh, plants, for animals for for just the the water flow, the general environment uh, in this area uh-huh. yeah for some
1: for some context, um, this part of Texas, Star County. You know, it's one of the poorest, uh, most Latino counties in all of Texas. Um, there is very, very, very little public land. There's very little intact habitat. So much of it has been converted into farmland uh, or for industrial use. Um, so this area by the river, the Lower Rio Grande Valley National Wildlife Refuge, really is the best remaining habitat for wildlife in this whole region. Um, and a lot of that is because. You know the river has flooded throughout history, and that has stopped a lot of this land from being developed. Um, so we have this wildlife refuge that is home to uh, two different endangered endemic plants that don't grow anywhere else uh, except for these two counties in Texas: the Zapata bladderpod and the prostrate milkweed. Uh, very enticing names, um, but beautiful wildflowers uh, that favor uh, these unique soils that are actually uh, created by these these fossilized oyster beds that have built up um, in star and Zapata counties. It's high in gypsum content. So super, super unique biome. Um, We just got some information through the Freedom of Information Act that show that as a part of this border wall project, we could actually see uh, 560 Zapata bladder pod flowers wiped out. And that's an act that is clearly illegal under the Endangered Species Act. The government is not allowed to just decimate these federally protected plants But because this waiver was issued, um, we could see Biden's bulldozers running over all of these protected plants uh, with with no consequence. Um, And in these emails that we received, uh, we we actually have a federal biologist saying that this raises the question of potential jeopardy of the species' existence. Um, So it's extremely concerning that the Endangered Species Act doesn't apply right now. And we are urging the administration to reinstate the Endangered Species Act to protect these wildflowers.
0: Thinking about more long-term in terms of what's going to happen to species that can't migrate through this area anymore or can't, you know, get to the Rio Grande maybe for for water, what what kinds of long-term environmental impacts uh, could we be looking at here? And not just, I mean, obviously not just species, but, but in general, what, that, what could we be looking at?
1: You know, these walls, are, they're just the latest uh, thread pulled out of the patchwork that is the intact ecosystem. That we are losing day by day um, in this country and on this planet um, there are mountain lions there are black bear uh, in star and zapata counties um, all sorts of wildlife have migrated uh, to the river for millennia in order to drink uh, in order to uh, find habitat and this really does cut a new barrier through the evolutionary history uh, of so many wildlife species that live in texas um, and also ones that live in Arizona, New Mexico, where we're seeing walls up now. Um, Here in Arizona, we are constantly getting videos of uh, mule deer walking along the border wall, trying to look for a way to get through it. Um, When you go down to the wall, you see all of these uh, footprints of different kinds of wildlife, uh, of coati, of raccoons, of mule deer, pacing back and forth along the barrier, looking for a way through. you know, animals have not evolved to understand how to deal with the structure uh, of this magnitude. Um, so we are seeing the slow motion unraveling of some of these ecosystems due to so many threats. Uh, but this wall is, is a very significant one and a completely unnecessary one when you look at just how little it accomplishes.
0: The wall that already exists, and I assume some of the wall that, that's about to be built cuts through a number of indigenous areas as well. This is something else that you've written about and talked about. Can you talk about what it means for indigenous communities in this region to have this, uh, to have the government come in and just kind of uh, shove this wall across across land that's ancestral to them?
1: Right. Yeah, the U.S.-Mexico border. Um has long been home to a great number of indigenous nations and tribes. Um, They have called this area home long before there ever was a border, long before there was uh, ever contact from Europeans. Um, We have proceeded to uh, slice up their ancestral lands with political boundaries that are non-natural. And a lot of tribes like the Tana here in Arizona have actually been cleaved in two. There is now... Uh, a Tanahata tribe in the U.S. and a tribe in Mexico, um, which raises all sorts of interesting and, and horrifying political issues, like the Mexican travel members not having the right to travel back to the U.S. Um, but there's also tribes in, in Texas, like the Carizo Come Crudo, that are uh, indigenous to this area of Texas. Um, they rely, they have they have land on both sides of the border as well, um, in this specific area, the tribal chairman, Juan Mencias, has said that um, the tribe uses these areas to collect ceremonial plants um, that will be impacted, that will be destroyed uh, by wall construction. And another one of the laws that the government waived in order to build uh, these walls uh, is the Native American Religious Freedom Act, um, which protects ceremonial plants of indigenous tribes. So in this case, um, we certainly could see... The destruction of cultural heritage of the Carizo Comecrudo, um, and absent uh, true environmental impact studies and consultation with tribes, we don't even know what kind of cultural resources we could be losing uh, as the bulldozers descend on Star County.
0: Thinking about just local residents, I mean, this is parkland. This is pl- these are places where people can congregate and you know just to to enjoy the environment that are being destroyed or cut off. Can you talk about? what it means for people in these border communities which as you noted are are generally quite poor uh you know this is one place that that uh, you know they have access to something nice that's uh, you know a place to go and hang out or or just enjoy a little quality of life and it's being taken from them so what what does that uh mean for the for communities along the border yeah you know these
1: these communities these towns um They've existed for centuries. Uh, There are families, there are people I've met in Rio Grande City and other areas in Star County who have lineage going back to the Spanish land grant era. Um, And then, of course, there's indigenous folks who have been there a lot longer than that. Um, But now we're seeing these walls go up uh, and cut between the communities and the river, which is their lifeblood. Uh, It's the reason these communities uh, were enacted there in the first place. Um, You know, all of us, all of us depend on clean water. Um, and that's why these communities exist there. And now we're actually seeing these walls go up and cutting off people from accessing the river. Um, that doesn't just mean going to look at it, but you know, families there, uh, for decades have, have that's, that's where they relax. That's their public land. It's their access to nature. It's, it's where they go to connect. Um, when I canoed down the stretch of river, you know, I just saw tons of children playing, people swimming in the water, um, people fishing, uh, you know, abuelos teaching their kids, their grandkids, uh, how to fish for bass there. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's criminal to, to rob these families of their access to nature of their natural heritage, um, all in order to put up a wall that certainly won't stop people from crossing. Um, and Biden has talked so much about his commitment to environmental justice this is a textbook issue of environmental justice. This is an opportunity uh, to stick up for communities that are typically thrown under the bus. You know, these waivers of law that we talk about, I don't think they would stand if they were issued anywhere else in America. But because this is the borderlands, because these are border communities, because these are predominantly, predominantly working class Latino communities, um, there has not been this outcry of, of these people, these communities losing the rights that every other American is able to enjoy, um, because of laws like the Clean Water Act and the Clean Air Act. Um, so we we desperately need to see the administration uh, fight harder for these communities.
0: I want to pick up on the environmental justice angle of this, and they talk about the economic impact on these communities that that the these border walls create, and and particularly maybe if you if you feel like you can put it into con- the context of what I've seen referred to as the border industrial complex alongside the military industrial complex, where you're just pouring billions of dollars into these, the construction of these barriers and other, uh, you know, programs to militarize the U S Mexican border and companies that uh, deal in this are, are, you know, reaping the benefits of that. Uh, Maybe you could talk about some of the, the justice, the economic and environmental justice uh, aspects of this.
1: Yeah. You know, um, Border walls make people rich, (laughs) there's no way around it. Um, The border security industry is absolutely booming. They are receiving windfall profits, not just from borders in America, but now uh, the US is militarizing borders in Latin America, trying to militarize borders in Guatemala and Mexico, uh, between Venezuela and Colombia. Um, There is a huge industry um, that profits from the construction of border barriers and other surveillance technology. none of that money stays in border communities. It is another front uh, for extractive industries. Um, what happens in border communities uh, is that as these walls go up, people lose access to land. Uh, they lose access to tourist attractions. Um, a number of uh, other areas in South Texas during the Trump era had walls built across their boundaries um, that actually stop tourists from being able to access uh, globally recognized birding areas, um, other wildlife refuge areas. Um, so these walls are actually harming these communities economically um, while extracting profits and sending them to you know bigger cities in the north where their CEOs and executives live. Um, and I think more than that, the, the image that is created by the rhetoric that drives wall construction is hugely damaging to border communities. Uh, we hear on the news all the time about the danger that border communities face, uh, about you know the smuggling and the violence uh, that you see on the border. But the FBI has said for years that border communities are actually among the safest uh, in America. So it just, it doesn't add up. Um, and I think especially the fear mongering and the rhetoric uh, that demonizes border communities and immigrants is hugely harmful to uh, the economy of the border region.
0: So this leads, I think, naturally into uh, just talking about the the core or one of the core pieces of this, which is the demonization of of migrants, the demonization of asylum seekers, of refugee seekers or, you know, refugees, uh, people trying to get to the United States, fleeing, in many cases, things that, you know, economic crises and uh, security crises that the United States has helped cause. Uh, coming here to try and get, try and escape those things, and being treated like just this undifferentiated horde of of criminals and terrorists, and I, I don't know. I'm I'm going off on a rant, but sure. maybe you can, uh, you know, talk about th- that rhetoric and and what it does for this entire issue in terms of you know making people, uh, you know, kind of con- conditioning people to accept militarizing the border and and you know the effect that that has.
1: Yeah, you know. Arizona, where I live, um, and a lot of the borderlands in general, have effectively been turned into the sites of mass disappearance and mass death uh, of migrants uh, for decades. This is not a new policy, to be clear. Um, The US has had, essentially, an official policy uh, to build border barriers and to concentrate enforcement around urban areas that pushes migrants and asylum seekers into the unforgiving desert. there's a lot written about this. The strategy is called prevention through deterrence. It is a completely failed strategy. Um, I think what you know DHS failed to take into account uh, decades ago, and they're still refusing to take into account, is that these people who are showing up at our doorstep have already walked across all of Mexico. Many of them have crossed the Darien Gap. They have fled horrific conditions, like you mentioned, oftentimes that have been exacerbated by U.S. policies. That have focused on extracting wealth and resources and those those people are not going to be dissuaded when they meet a border wall on our border no matter how tall the wall is Um, you know we have seen this year uh, has been the deadliest year for migrants on any land border anywhere Um, more than 800 sets of migrant remains have been found this year alone most of whom have perished in the desert and that is essentially a, a part of our border policy. Um, it, it is it is a known aspect of all of this, and in many ways, we've actually utilized the desert to help disappear people to to, to operate as another element um, of border barriers and enforcement. Um, so you know the cruelty that we're seeing is it's just incomprehensible. Um, I think all of us are responsible uh, for for the death and disappearance in the borderlands that has plagued this region for uh, more than a decade now. Um, And yeah, I mean, you know, just the demonization of migrants that we're seeing, uh, it's been an effective policy tool. um, It's been an effective political tool rather. Um, And it, you know, every election season, uh, this rhetoric kicks back up um, and it's, it's sickening. I mean, just to see uh, this, this hatred tapped into and used in order to rile up voters. um, It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's difficult.
0: Uh, it has knock-on effects too in in countries you know south of the U.S. in, in Mexico and Central America, where successive administrations now try to farm out U.S. immigration response mm-hmm. to the Mexican government, to the Salvadoran government, to and you talked about you know sort of the militarization of borders outside the U.S. What is that? Uh, what 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 is going on there in terms of uh, you know getting governments these other governments to kind of do the same thing, to demonize migrants to treat them, uh, mm-hmm. you know, very inhumanely and in protection effectively of the Southern U S border.
1: Yeah. You know, I think so much of that is actually driven by the border security industry, you know, like any good business, they're looking for ways to expand the front, uh, of their business operations. So I, I got to cover the border security expo uh, a number of years back in in San Antonio. It's basically this horror show where all of these contractors are unveiling their their new technology um, to help detect and chase and punish uh, migrants. Um, it's it's a wild uh, trade show um, of of just <laughs> fear and loathing. But essentially, that the, the big theme that year was this idea of pushing the borders out, um, because of course you know the U.S. Mexico border is is finite. There's only so much. Uh, you can militarize. There's only so many miles of wall you can build. Um, so they were really excited, uh, that, that, that this next, you know, during the Trump presidency, they were going to continue pushing the borders out and essentially exporting our model for border security, um, all across the globe in order to profit hugely. Um, and we have, we have seen them do that. We have seen DHS set up offices and attaches in many Central American, Latin American countries. Um, it hasn't been effective, just like it's not effective here. But the goal of the industry isn't to be effective; it's to sell <laughs> more equipment, um, and they've been hugely successful.
0: Effectiveness would be contrary to business. Actually, uh, if any of it worked, they would put themselves out of business.
1: Right? It's like why would you, uh, you know, if, if you're if you're paid to clean up the leak, why would you fix the faucet?
0: So I mean, you've already alluded to this at, at a number of points along the way, but I want to kind of. Uh, ask it directly. Have you seen any indication that anybody in the Biden administration is actually receptive to any level of criticism on the environmental front, or uh, you know, any level of concern? I shouldn't say criticism, but uh, level of concern on the environmental front, on the indigenous front, on uh, the economic front, in terms of the effect on border communities. Is there anybody listening to any of this? And is there any sense that they could respond, even in you know, minute ways, to try and adjust their plans?
1: Yeah, you know, uh, we work on many different environmental campaigns at the Center for Biological Diversity. We've had some big successes this year. Um, I mean, just, just recently we had uh, a new national monument designated in Arizona, um, at the urging of a huge coalition of indigenous tribes and nations. Um, we've, we've had, uh, the door open to us on some other issues. Um, and we have, you know, met with some administration officials, especially early on. In the presidency um, about border issues Um, we know that they know how to listen if they choose to um, but we have not received even uh, uh, lip service when it comes to these waivers in Starr county these walls that they're going to build in texas less than a month ago the center for biological diversity led a sign-on letter urging the administration to rescind the environmental waivers Um, we had essentially every environmental group that operates on a national scale signed on to that uh earth justice syria club defenders of wildlife uh, we had the aclu sign on to this so we have a huge amount of might behind these requests that are urging the administration uh telling them that look they have a choice they do not have to use these waivers even if they're going to build the walls they could do it without using the waivers um we haven't even received the response it's been a month no response so we're, we're not going to stop trying to raise the issue. You know, I think in many cases, uh, when you don't get a response, you have to do it through the media. And we've been doing our best to get as much press on this as possible. Uh, we've had stories run all over the nation um, highlighting that this was a choice to issue these waivers, to strip protections from border communities, to build these walls. We're going to keep doing that, um, you know, until we hopefully get a meeting and until hopefully uh, they will rescind these waivers, uh, especially... In, in, in the wildlife refuge, especially as they pertain to potentially uh, pushing these endangered plants to the brink of extinction.
0: I guess to, this is um, undoubtedly going to be unsatisfying, but as a way to uh, take us out here, we'll, is there anything that that people who are listening who want to you know communicate to the Biden administration or uh, you know join, add their voice to these calls for uh, some kind of change, restraint, whatever in this policy, what, what can people do? Yeah, I think, you know, the single tool that has enabled all of this destruction to
1: happen is that waiver. It's called the Real ID Act waiver that allows the Department of Homeland Security to waive any and all law that they just don't want to follow when they're building border walls. So the more that we can make people aware uh, that this horrific authority exists, that this authority that has been used to, Essentially, punish border communities, destroy uh, ecosystems and wildlife refuges in the borderlands that couldn't happen anywhere else in America. We have to bring more attention to that waiver. Um, and we are working uh, with a number of members of Congress to introduce legislation to repeal that waiver. Um, I think just 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 understanding the unfairness uh, of that is is important. Um, and then, of course, yes, urging the administration to rescind their issuance of that waiver. Um, we need to let them know that we find it disgraceful, uh, that Biden is the first Democrat in history to actively gut environmental protections, to build border walls. Um, and they need to be reminded that they could undo that with the strike of a pen. They could rescind the waiver, restore protections to border communities and wildlife. Um, and that would, that would be huge, you know, for border communities. Um, and it would go a long way in, uh, you know, sticking up to to some of the commitments that he made when he first started out with his presidency.
0: Lincoln Jordahl, again, thank you for coming on the program. And um, we'll have, uh, I think, some links to things that, uh, to some of the stuff that you just mentioned in the show description, so people can uh, read up and and maybe, uh, you know, get involved. So thank you very much for coming on the show. Thanks, Derek. <laughs>